veto any legislation which repeals the state's liberalized abortion statute. This note from our WR community calendar, a seven-member Brooklyn congressional delegation will be the guest of the Brooklyn College student body for a forum on the Indochina War at the Gershwin Center, Campus Road in Hillow Place, near the Flatbush Nostrand Junction in Brooklyn. Forum is open to the public. That's the latest from the WR Newsroom. Lester Smith reporting over WOR New York, your station for news as it happens. I'll be back with another 15 minutes of news at 11 o'clock. Coming up, Gene Shepard. tribe of white-skinned, red-bearded Indians has been discovered in the Amazon jungle of Brazil. Indian agents have seen some 500 men of the tribe. They seem to have no women. The discovery raises interesting speculation about the origin and extent of the race. (laughs) Yes, it does bring up some interesting speculations. Excuse me, while I do a little speculating here. (laughs) You had a terrible thought. Stop it, Shepard. The speculation business can get you in trouble. Stop speculating here. Anybody care to look up the definition of the word chaos tonight? Do it for your own information, not for mine. I know what it's all about. I work here. I know all about chaos here. There, there. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to salute uh, a school out in Oakland, California. I see things are coming. This is a uh, this is Shepherd's. Uh, things are coming to a pretty pass department. Dump, da dump, dump. That's a new department. It's a uh, little note here from Oakland, California, McClyman's High School where attendance has been, quote, very sporadic, is now going to reward perfect attendance at school with trading stamps. Kids that come to school will get trading stamps now. And this sounds a little bit like a bribe to me, but... <laughs> Lewis Jones, principal of the school, which has an enrollment of 870, said, they'll get 100 stamps a week for perfect attendance and a semester bonus of 500 stamps. You know what I'm looking forward to eventually? Some... Some labor sharpie. You, I'll, I'll make a prediction. I see it in the cards. Some labor sharpie is going to decide that there's, there's one great group in America that is not organized. School kids. He's going to organize them into locals. And uh, they're going to demand bonuses. They're going to be striking for, uh, you know, for more. Because eventually I think kids will be paid to go to school. This is the beginning of it right here. After all, stamps are money. You know, you can trade them in for, uh, you know, for money. Can't you trade them in for money, really? I think you can, yeah. So, you know. And, in fact, uh, there are over, uh, I think, uh, at last count, something like 250 churches in the country that now give green stamps to people who come and, you know, make their uh, make their peace with the Lord. The Lord is giving green stamps now for anybody who wants to, uh, you know, get down there and on your knees and... Really, uh, would you please, Herbert, uh, bring it on a little bit. We'd like to salute this. Yeah. Oh, I won't do nothing till I get paid. I won't do nothing. I gotta get paid. I want my dough. I want nothing but dough. I want credit for what I do. Yeah, well, guys are getting paid for everything these days. Did you? This is, you know, it's particularly happening in school. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we noted that one school already is giving uh, credit now for mid-semester vacation. Did you see that one? 
Yeah, true. If you take a if you take a a, a Caribbean cruise in your mid semester vacation, like you know, in the middle of the winter there, you get special credits for that. That's called life experience. And when you're roistering around in the bars in the Caribbean, of course, you're investigating life to its fullest. And uh, this uh, has been carried on. We have another school here that's just checked in. And now they're given credit for uh, for football. Now, that doesn't mean for playing football or anything like that. You just go to this place where the lecturers are football coaches. And they lecture to you on, you know, football, like they show plays of last week's game. And uh, they, according to one guy that uh, that wrote to me who took the course, he says, well, you sit around, you look at the uh, movies of games, you know, like the NFL game of the week and that kind of stuff. And you ask questions, such questions as, uh, how come Joe Namath didn't call uh, a, a, a punt on that uh, third down play there? It seems like he should have punted. And uh, the coach, who's the teacher, says uh, he gives his answer to that. And then the next student gets up and says, uh, you know, typical insightful thing. He'll get up and say a thing like, uh, Oh, uh, I heard a, I heard uh, Kurt Gowdy on a radio the other day say that uh, uh, that uh, Joe Namath is a bum. What do you think of that, coach? And you get two credits for that. You can get one or two units of credit for attending this course, and they also supply you with free Gatorade while you're attending. So <laughs> that's the truth. He says they gave us Gatorade and various other rival things. So things are moving on. I kind of like that. We have a note here from a girl type. She says, I will be 13 in a couple of weeks. I enjoy your show. Would you please tell the story of Miss Mino and the Penny Supper again? And, uh... No, that's too painful, honey. I don't think I'll tell the story of Miss Mino and the Penny Supper. If you didn't hear it the first time, you've missed it. That's so much in life. And uh, we have one more note here we'd like to uh, carry out. Kind of like the idea of doing giving people green stamps for doing things which, you know, it should be uh, you know, kind of a groovy thing to go to school. But, you know, I, I think the day will come when people will demand uh, payment for doing almost anything in life. Guy goes out and plays golf. He'll demand green stamps from the golf course. I mean, after all, he is playing golf. He's spending all that time on that grass and walking around hitting them balls. That's kind of silly right there. A guy should get something for it. See with that, Herb? I suspect ultimately pupils will be given credit for watching television. You know, spend enough hours there. If you clock enough hours watching, uh, let's see, uh, reruns of uh, Smokey the Bear... What's that? The yogi. Yeah, it's yogi to bear there, right? He's smarter than the average what? I'll ask you a trivia question. Who does yogi continually insist that he is smarter than? You please write that down in two words or less, and uh, we'll give you credit for that. That's a three-credit question there. It's a, you know, we're giving you, we're giving you a, deep and, a deep and meaningful lessons in American society... For those of you who are uh, who are uh, label fans, uh, I'm a great label fan myself. I've read many labels. I, I, I uh, one of my favorite labels is the label for this breakfast cereal. I never miss reading it. It's an exciting label on the back of a box of cereal. Have you seen this Swiss cereal? This Fermaguli or Fermagelli or uh, Funaguli or whatever that stuff is. You know, it's a, you know that you, you know that stuff. It's the kind of stuff like they give the rabbits and stuff. It's kind of a, funny thing. It's a health food. You've seen it? You ever read the label on the back of it? It's exciting. About how Dr. Berman Mussoli discovered that... Uh, <laughs> very exciting. <laughs> and I love to read that one. And then there's another one that I like to read. Uh, well, I, I read labels. Many times I'll go to the uh, supermarket just to stand around and read. There's some great labels coming out these days. You know that there's a laxative cereal now. And it's called Uncle Sam. And shows the stars and stripes on it. And it's a laxative. I don't know where the connection is there with the stars and stripes on Uncle Sam, but there it is, and it's a, got an exciting label on it that, that really you should read it. It's very exciting. Be speaking of the virtues. It's a, there, you know, there's a whole school of thought that believes that God and a clean colon are very definitely related. You know, so I'm not, I don't invent attitudes, friends. I only report them. So note right in and. I got a letter the other day from a guy who says, Shepard, you will, will you please stop discussing the seamy side of life? 
I said. It's terrible, he said. Well, I don't know. What is the seamy side of life? One man's seamy side of life and another is another man's kick. It's true, you know. Oh, yes, to a bum lying in a doorway on 6th Avenue with his bottle of Sneaky Pete beside him. And his shoe, you know, just fell off and sitting there yelling and hollering at other people. Now, that may be the seamy side of life to you, but to the bum, that's life, life. It ain't the seamy side of life. He's knocked his third bottle of Sneaky Pete down the hatch there. He, that's not seamy. What's seamy, seamy, shmeamy? Here's a note here. I, one, this is a nice label. I brought this in as a kind of a... Uh, I hold it up here for the camera. You can all see it here. It's a label, <laughs> a label from some gra- pineapple grapefruit juice. And now I, they're beginning to apply uh, uh, adjectives to the products on the back. I, I kind of like to start off the day with a zestful pineapple grapefruit juice drink. Zestful, that's okay. I'll buy that. And it says, enjoy these other juice drinks. Colorful orange apricot. Refreshing pineapple apricot. Sunny pineapple orange. Delicate pineapple pear. Shake well, serve chilled. little vodka doesn't hurt them either. They don't say that on the label, but they imply that. Because if you really want that stuff to be zestful, friends, you got to lace it with something. Otherwise, it just lays there. Like any old great pineapple cranberry juice does. It has a tendency to do that. Uh, I don't know why I'm uh, the victim of this kind of thing. And now we've arrived at the subject of tonight's show. Would you please bring it on, Herb? A little more music there. Subject of tonight's show. Yeah. I'm getting my junk out here. Get off, Thank you, Herbert. That was your good. <laughs> a terrible record. Reset that, will you please, my friend? Now I don't know why this seems to to uh, afflict people. This is a problem here, but it's it's a growing thing. The last couple of uh, years, I have been inundated. Well, not exactly inundated, but let's say this way: moderately flooded with uh, people who, when they're about to throw a lot of junk away. They decide that instead of throwing it away, the perfect guy to get all this junk they're about to throw away is Shepard. Do I do I affect you that way, Herb? When you're when you're down in the basement and about to throw out a lot of old tires and junk, and you say, "Oh, well, don't throw it out. Send it to Shepard." Does that ever occur to you? It does. Is there something in my voice? <laughs> is it is it really is it what is this? And I, I, every couple of days, I will receive a, a box. Like one day, uh, I, totally, totally inexplicable. I, I don't know, know what, you know, I have no idea why. What is there in my voice that makes people do this? A couple of days ago, I got a box all crushed. All these boxes always arrive in, in deplorable condition, crushed, leaking, uh, uh, what appears to be some sort of a glucose uh, uh, liquid that looks vaguely inflammable. Uh, these these boxes arrive constantly in the mail, and this one the other day arrived, and, and I was a little afraid of it. See, I don't really open these things. We have a man around here who comes with an asbestos suit, and he's got a helmet on, and he's got this big shield that he holds up, and he first he sprays it with raisin juice or something. Make sure, you know, it's just, uh, it neutralizes it. <laughs> and then we very carefully open these things. You never know what you're going to find. Like one day, I'll tell you, one day we opened up a box... And it had all kinds of paper in it, and and it was filled with a to- totally inexplicable. I can't figure out why this, this uh, what 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 was going on in the cloudy mind of the sender. It was filled with a large collection of twigs. Just twigs. And there was a long letter inside. Of course, a long incoherent letter that uh, boiled down to uh, a statement, incoherently stated, of course, rambling in the purple ink on green paper. Uh, (laughs) The statement says roughly, uh, we knew that you would want this before we threw it out. We decided to send it to you. We, I have no idea, maybe the rest of the people at the home, but uh, nevertheless, I received a box of twigs. And uh, it was with great regret that we completed the act of throwing it out. Speaking of the home, this is W.O.R. in New York. 
the Bidewee community for those who have problems. And uh, we'll be, you know, we'll be fighting. How do you do, Mr. Sponsor? How do you do, Mr. Victim, do you know what a Portuguese traffic jam is, huh? A Portuguese traffic jam? <laughs> I wish it was a great joke, but it's when you're driving along the beautiful country roads in Portugal and you got to stop for a man in his ox cart to cross the road. And that's, <laughs> that's really true, though. It sounds like a gag, but it's true. And that's how things are, really, in Portugal. And TAP, the Intercontinental Airline of Portugal, has the perfect way for you to see this great country. On their fly and drive tour of Portugal for only $341. Remember this. $341. That's not much. Including round trip economy airfare and a car. It's the most exciting way to see Portugal. Just drive north to the fishing villages and the wine country, west to the castle country, or south to the fantastic golden beaches of the Algarve. And in fact, the tour even includes accommodations in the Algarve or Asturias and the picturesque city of Chavez. So call your travel agent or TAP at 421-421-8500 for complete details. And enjoy TAP's two-week fly and drive, that includes a car, tour of Portugal for only $341. It's a beautiful country, no matter which way you turn. Hey, man, uh, speaking of uh, Portugal... Uh, you know, one of the famous things about Portugal is this beautiful uh, rosé wines. They in fact, uh, if you don't know it, uh, it's time to find out about it. That the the national wine of Portugal is rosé. You find rosé everywhere, and one of the best rosé wines made in Portugal is called Costa do Sol. Costa do Sol, C O S T A D O S O L. It's a vintage rosé, and it's only produced in vintage years, and it's bottled and age until the flavor is just right. And, uh, by the way, it's the only Portuguese table wine ever to win a gold medal at the international contest in Budapest. It's a good table wine. Go with any kind of food, and you don't have to be a wine expert to ask for it. Just ask for Costa do Sol. It's uh, Costa do Sol, vintage rosé, imported by the Allens of M.S. Walker, Inc., in good old Boston, Massachusetts. That's a good old Portuguese town. Hey, uh, savers. <laughs> All three of you out there. Look, look if, you're, if you're a saver, tell me how you do it. Uh, last March 31st was dividend payday for customers of most savings bank because most banks credit their dividend once every three months, believe it or not, at what they call a quarterly period. And if your bank pays quarterly, you'll have to wait until June 30th for your next dividend. Well, now, Provident Savings Bank in Jersey City reminds you that Provident Passbook Savings customers receive a dividend on March 31st and another on April 28th. And they'll get still another dividend May 31st. And what's more, they'll get dividends credited to their account each and every month 12 times a year. And you don't have to be a Jersey resident. Over 82,000 Provident savers all over the United States know that Provident has never missed a dividend in 132 years. So if you'd like to find out more about it, Send for, uh, well, send for their bank-by-mail kit. They'll give you the whole dope. Write Provident, W-O-R, or phone M-U-2-6-8-0-0. They're a member of the FDIC. That's M-U-2-6-8-0-0. You can call them now. Oh, man, listen to those bugles at General Tire's Original Equipment Tire Sale on the Glass Belta Jumbo 780. If you own a compact, an intermediate, or a standard-sized car, you can get this long-mileage Glass belted tire for only twenty-five fifty. In your choice of a lot of a lot of tire sizes, so mount your glass belted jumbo 780 tires today. Hurry, the sale ends Saturday, May 13th. That's at the home of the big red General Tire G, your one-stop car care headquarters. So get on down there fast. Generation of generals. Yeah. Have you ever seen these joke joints where you buy things like a little plastic stuff that? 
you know, you put under the coffee table. Looks like the dog dropped by there. You've seen these places where they sell practical jokes, you know, uh, sneezing powders and all that jazz. Well, one of the oldest of all these is an exploding cigar. Yeah, looks like any other cigar. The guy lights it up, and the next thing you know, pow, no eyebrows, you know? <laughs> what a great joke. Hi, George. <laughs> well, I actually saw it happen one day. I, I was uh, at this... Uh, you know, it was a kind of a sales meeting, a lot of official guys sitting around. And uh, there was a suicidal friend of mine who was a salesman who uh, was always... A, he was actually self-destructive, you know, suicidal types. And uh, he gave to the vice president in charge of sales after the, you know, after the usual bourgeois that went on with the uh, presentation of our new big season that was going to really revolutionize the uh, communications industry and uh, galvanize the audience into indescribable fits of ecstasy. You know, you know the usual thing. They finish this thing, and he, he's sitting there, and, and he lights up a cigar, and then he turns to the uh, the manager of the sales department. He says, oh, listen, uh, Charlie, how about a cigar? I mean, to celebrate. And uh, Charlie takes the cigar, and uh, he didn't light it. That's the worst part. He just sat there, and he's making a point. You know, he's talking to other people. You know, sales managers are always making points, like, uh, well, I'll tell you this, you know, I tell you, CBS is running scared. Uh, there's no question about it. We got NBC on the ropes. And uh, I was talking to J.B. the other day, you know, this jazz, and he's, he's waving a cigar around like this. He's making a point. You see, he's waving it like a pencil. And my friend turns to me and says, hey, that's an exploding cigar. I got it down in that joint in the 6th Avenue joint there where we bought the sneezing powder the other day. You remember that? Oh, no. I said, oh, oh no. Not here. You can't, you know, you can't grab the cigar away from the guy. And so he's waving it. He says, and I'll tell you this. Another thing. He says, if we ain't number one by next November, my name ain't Charlie Applerot. By George, I'll tell you, we got a lineup. And he's waving a cigar like this. Well, he's waving it towards a bunch of guys that are sitting on the other side of the table. One of them says, hey, uh, hey, Bill. Uh, you mind if I, uh, you mind if I had, you, you were, are you going to smoke that cigar? And I got a sick feeling. Oh, no, no. It was one of the sponsors. See? He says, do you mind if, he says, you're going to smoke that cigar? And of course, instantly being a sales manager, whatever a client wants, he gets. If a client would come in, you know, and say, hey, give me, give me your left shoe. By George, there ain't a salesman alive that wouldn't reach down and take off his shoe. And if possible, kiss it. So, uh, <laughs> The uh, the client says, uh, hey, you going to smoke that cigar? He says, I, I left my cigars back in the office. With that, the sales manager says, yeah, of course. <laughs> you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Take the cigar. Oh, my. Well, this uh, particular client was a horse's you-know-what from the word go anyway. I mean, you know, as many of them often turn out to be. So he takes the cigar, and he very carefully peels off the cellophane it was wrapped in. it looked like any other regular cigar in fact it was a real cigar you know a famous name brand cigar but it had a little bomb in it apparently <laughs> so i by that time i sat back i'm ready to to just watch it you know there's a certain time in your life and certain incidents in your life when things are going so bad i mean when they really have gone to hell so bad that you just sit back and enjoy it I suspect this must have happened to people when the Titanic's going down. It's all shot to hell, you know, everything, you know. You, you see the piano falling overboard and the, and the icebergs are landing on you. Finally, you sit back and you start playing cards. Well, we might as well watch it. As long as we're going down with the Titanic, let's watch it. Enjoy it, you know. So <laughs> I'm sitting back and I just say, all right, I'll watch the scene now. It's too late. Well, he lit the cigar. And he took a big puff on it. The big blue smoke goes upwards towards the ceiling. And uh, the sales managers continue to make his inane, idiotic uh, points. He keeps saying, well, I'll tell you, I'm talking over the CBS the other day, and we got him on the ropes. And uh, here, take this brochure. You can see how the, uh, the Charlie Gumpak show is the best show on the radio. Here, try that one. He's going on. And uh, <laughs> the cigar is more blue smoke goes up. And I'm waiting for it to explode. Just sitting there, wait, <laughs> you know, it's a very silly feeling because I'm sitting back and I'm holding a menu up around so it doesn't blow my, you know, blow my head off. And I'm watching, I think, and he keeps saying, "Well, uh, I'll tell you, you see, and it may be right, Fred." He says, and he's smoking a cigar. Nothing, just purple smoke, you know, just like any other cigar. When all of a sudden it hit, 
it really went off. <laughs> Next to me on my left, my friend had given the wrong cigar out, and now he's got no eyebrows. I, <laughs> I looked around, you know, and the air is full of uh, celery and, and people screaming and little old ladies, uh, you know, running around with their dresses on fire and everything. I looked around. <laughs> he's sitting there. His face is purple with smoke. And, and with that, the guy who's smoking a cigar looks at his cigar. And he says, Do you, 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 what happened? And my friend is sitting there with a, you know, with, a, with a busted up cigar. You have a great big mass of cigar in his mouth. It was, a, it was a, kind of exploded. It looked like a cabbage, you know. <laughs> he's sitting there. He says, oh, he's really bugged. He got mad. Now, remember, he's mad. He, his own cigar blew up, and he is mad. And he takes the cigar, and he throws it down on the, on the uh, carpet. was smoldering. Throws it down like that, and his, his uh, eyebrows are all burning and everything else. It's really bugged. And he got up, and he walked out, going, uh, apparently heading towards the john, because his uh, tie was on fire. And uh, the guy says to... The other guy, the the uh, the head salesman, he turns to the to the client who's now smoking the real cigar, and he said, oh, well, he said, I wonder, so I wonder about Charlie sometimes. <laughs> he said he's got strange tastes. They didn't put it together. They did not realize what had occurred. And that, and to this day, that salesman, by the way, is still working for us. He's very chastened. He's a very quiet man these days. He doesn't say much. Uh, of course, we also had another one. Did I tell you? About, oh, I, I don't want to tell you about the rubber bath mat, do I? That 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 story. Uh, you 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 know that story, don't you? I I've told that story fifty times on the air. I've some of the more the most embarrassing moments I've had in my life have been around salesmen. I don't know what it is with salesmen. Yeah, I, I, uh, have you ever gone to a sales convention? You ever been to a convention where there's nothing but salesmen? If you think American Legion conventions. Or something else. You ought to go to a sales convention one time. You know, with the with the bags of water out the window and the shock sticks and the big buttons that light up and you know the jokes and the and the things you have in your hand that are buzzers when you shake hands with guys. Salesmen just generally tend to drift towards that stuff. <laughs> I don't know what it is in the salesman's mind, but uh, uh, I I one day I'm walking down the street. I had just I'll, I might as well tell you the story. I don't know why I'm telling it to you, but I will. I'm walking down the street minding my own business. I had just come to New York, and I figured, you know, New York people are very official people. And uh, they look so official. They wear Chesterfields and all that stuff, you know. And uh, I came to New York very, very uh, impressed by New York and New York official types. And and uh, I was only at the station a few weeks. And I'm walking along 6th Avenue, and, and I meet this very official-looking salesman, uh, the kind of... Uh, well, you know the kind who always has a little aura around him, a kind of a vaguely purple aura of uh, martinis and expense account lunches. And he once in a while makes veiled references to uh, he's going to spend the weekend on the boat. Uh, that kind of stuff. You know, very impressive type. And he has a Hamburg hat. And he has this beautiful uh, Chesterfield coat and silver hair and all. And I'm walking along the street, and I see him up there, and I try to cross the street to get away from him because I, I don't know what to say when I'm with people like that. You know, the kind who, if uh, if the if the brakes had fallen uh, right, could have been the vice president of the country, that kind of stuff. So uh, he caught my eye. I couldn't get away. He's, oh, hello, how are you? You're, uh, yeah, yeah, you got that new show. How are you? And I said, uh, hello, sir. And he said, ah, yeah, good to see you. Where, where are you heading? I said, well, I... I couldn't tell him I'm on my way to the chock full of nuts for my afternoon brownie. You know, you can't do that. So I said, oh, I'm uh, going out to uh, <laughs> bite to eat. <laughs> yes. He said, well, come on with me. I'm going out a couple of clients. Come on. We're going to lunch. I'm on my way. Uh, let's go. And uh, so I joined in with him. You can't put him down. And it's a true story, in case you're interested. This is a true story. And he is standing, looking, when I ran into him, he's looking in this shop. There's a shop right here. If you go, if you go just north on 6th Avenue, north of 42nd Street, you get into the true shoddy porno district. You know that, that district along there? Adults only. Eight millimeter shows. In color, live. You know, all that jazz. Uh, back issues of those magazines, fellas. And uh, you see all these people with sort of pasty faces and 
this goofy-looking gray overcoat skulking in and out, and they stand there by the hour and look at these magazines. You've seen these places. Well, in the middle of all these places is this joint uh, where they sell practical jokes. They sell things like sneezing powder and, and uh, they, you know, whoopee cushions and all that. And my friend is standing there looking in the window with his Homburg hat on. Very official-looking type. Well, I, you know, I, I, I ordinarily uh, don't uh, spend much time looking in these windows, but here he is, so I have to wait uh, while he's doing it. I says, hey, he says, come on in. Oh, I want to get a... <laughs> come on, uh, it won't be a second. Uh, and I can tell he's a little, little bit bagged. So we go into this joint. Have you ever been in one of these places? And you see all the guys buying false mustaches and uh, exploding cigars and sneezing powder and all that. And some people come in and buy it by the case. You, know, you wonder what the hell kind of lives they lead. So, <laughs> and they have all kinds of joke books like uh, 10,000 Laughs, L-A-F-F-S. Be the, be, you know, be the hit of your party and stuff. So they have a big case full of these things. And my friend now, with his Homburg hat and his fancy Chesterfield coat, says, uh, hey, uh, fella, I want one of them, uh, you know, one out there in the... Uh, out there in the window, I want one of the big ones, <laughs> you know, and I want the pink ones. And instantly, the guy behind the counter, a, a sleazy-looking rat-faced individual, immediately scurries behind the counter, and he brings out one of the most obscene objects I've ever seen in my life. It was made out of sponge rubber, and uh, it was a bath mat. It was a bath mat. It was made out of sponge rubber, and it was about three feet by four feet, a big bath mat, and I can only say that it uh, was it consisted of a large collection of uh, well uh, well uh, how can I put it delicately uh, uh, you know what one of the most prominent uh, one of the most prominent uh, features of the center foldout of Playboy you know what this is you know uh, you know what this. Well, here was a bath mat consisting of uh, about 45 of them strung together and uh, in natural, true-to-life color. I mean, tremendous. It well, it looked like a field of, of cantaloupes is what it looked like, and it's a bath mat. And my friend has just bought one. He says, oh, this is going to be great. We're having a party at a guy's house Saturday and uh, put this in the bath. <laughs> great. And uh, I've always wanted to run around after I took a shower in a whole field of these. <laughs> well, here they are, you know, the tremendous. And they're in full color. So uh, my friend buys it. And the guy, the rat-faced individual, this uh, Charlie Ferret behind the... Uh, Behind a counter, he wraps it up in this uh, butcher paper. They wrapped it in pink paper. You know how butcher paper looks? Sort of a pinkish-looking paper. And he, he rolled it up and wrapped it in this butcher paper and tied it with string. At which point my friend says, Hi, George, I always want one of these. I'm really, uh, here, uh, how much is it? Uh, and the guy says, four ninety-five. And he says, okay. And he takes out a $5 bill and he takes his change. And now we are back out on 6th Avenue. And he's carrying this thing under his arm. We now proceed further north, and now we head east. And we are now standing in front of one of the most elegant French restaurants in all of the east side. A true, veritable heaven, a haven, in fact, of, uh, of the expense account crowd. You can hear the tinkle of elegant glasses all the way out on the sidewalk. And they have one of these green marquees. It's always been my... My, I have a rule of thumb. If you're ever out on a date, stay away from places with green marquees, Herb. Those places where they write out the menu in purple ink by hand, sometimes the bills are astronomical. Quite often the food is unpalatable, but the bills are always staggering. And uh, girls who like to go to places like that never look at the other side of the menu, you know, where the numbers are written down. And so, uh, no, they don't even know what those numbers mean. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, when you ate, or Herb, when you, when you sit down at a menu, do you look at the food that's there, or do you quickly look down the list of the numbers first? <laughs> and then make your choice. <laughs> right, George? That's a universal thing, isn't it, among males? But, uh, we now go into this place, and it's dark. It's plush. Oh, it's a, it's a kind of place that's got velvet on the walls, and, and the uh, old uh, El Greco prints, and uh, you, you, you just you can just taste uh, elegance and uh, well-being and affluence and 
expensive cars. You could hear the clatter of, uh, of happy credit cards going on in the background. And, of course, my friend, who spends all his life in that atmosphere, most salesmen do here in New York, he knew everybody, right? Oh, Charlie, hi! And uh, guys, you could see these shifting figures in the darkness. They're all sort of scoffing away at their, their uh, Amandine... Uh, and they're drinking their elegant wines, and the, the waiters are scurrying back and forth. And he goes up to this girl who is in the uh, check room, that little tiny check room there, see? And he takes off his Chesterfield, and he gives him, he takes off the uh, Homburg hat, and there I am, you know, I take off my uh, my Robert Hall special, and I hand it over there, and I, I try to straighten up my tie as best I can, and the girl is looking out, and she's she she knows him very well. See, she she oh oh, says, Monsieur, it's good, so good to see you. And he says hello, baby, and he reaches out and he tweaks her. He had a thing on that particular part of the anatomy, and as she staggers back a little, she's used to that. She has a couple of fake ones now. She just hands out from the tweak. So uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, they got handles on them for tweaking. So uh, with that, he hands her this package. He said, oh, I'll take care of this. Uh, yeah, just put it up there on the top there. So she puts it up with all the briefcases and stuff. She doesn't know what's in it. She puts it up there. And we go into the, ra- into the room to eat. And now I'm sitting at a round table with all these people. And my first, this is my first official luncheon. I have not even been on any of these before this. And uh, when you're at your first official sales promo luncheon with clients... And that's in a capital. In fact, you say clients. It's more than caps. When you say the word clients, it's almost in aluminum letters. You know, the old, the, the kind like monks used to do on the Bible with gold leaf and that. And so <laughs> this is my first acquaintance with this thing. So we sit down, and uh, it's very quiet, and waiters are scurrying around. And very, very exciting, because I think, oh, now I'm here. This is New York. This is it. This is, the, this is Jack Lemonville. Uh, it's a real thing. Fine, George. And uh, the martinis are passed around. And I was not used to having martinis at that hour of the day. And, in fact, I'm, I'm a one-martini-a-week man. That kind, see? So here it is. It's only uh, it's only 12.30, quarter to one, and I got a martini. So uh, I sipped the martini. Oh, boy. They, they, the martinis in this joint are masterful, to put it uh, mildly. These are elegant martinis. Really make their point. And they're big ones. They come in big gaboons. And so uh, I'm sipping away at the martini, and I get this thing just, you know, I just make a dent in it, and immediately they bring me another one. Oh, I'll bring another round for the whole gang, all right? You want another one there, uh, Fred? Yeah, I'll bring bring another round, yeah. Another round of martinis. And my friend, of course, is now about nine sheets to the wind. And uh, he's he's, uh, playing around with his... uh, with his uh, lobster polonaise, and uh, it's sort of a gloppy-looking stuff with little green flags all over it, and had a Brazilian boat that went around the side of the taurine. Very elegant dish. And uh, he's eating this and drinking the martinis. And, we're, and you know, there's a, 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 there's a kind of a... Uh, I suppose you might say it's almost a ritual. At the end of one of these long three-and-a-half-hour luncheons, somebody has to mention business. That's in caps, too, because then, then it can be taken off the lunch. See? So my friend, who's picking up the tab, says, hey, fellas, uh, 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 listen, uh, let's talk a little business here for a minute. Uh, uh, yeah, a little business. Uh, let's see, what is the business here today? Uh, uh, let's talk a little business. Uh, hey, Fred, you got anything on your mind? Uh, anything you want to change in, uh, in your copy? Uh, well, that's right. You're not on here, are you? You don't have no copy. Uh well, uh, let's uh, assume uh, you're out on the air. You got to change your copy? All right, we'll uh, change your copy. Okay, that's the business for today, guys, okay? Well, it's been a great lunch. And uh, everybody started to get, gets up. And I noticed one guy had completely disappeared. He's under the table. Nobody said anything about him. I don't know whether you ever got back to the office or not, but we are now heading through the darkness to the front. And uh, I'm feeling very queasy. Very, very queasy. I, you know, three martinis... Lobster thermidor, uh, plus the uh, the goose liver pate, and the stuffed celery, and all that stuff is beginning to work. I mean, I feel very, very funny. My head is kind of feeling funny, and and I and I find myself saying silly things, which I, I keep. You ever had had a problem when uh, uh, at a at a very serious thing you're at, and you keep saying things, and you keep saying, "Stop it! Now be quiet." 
And you say stuff like, <laughs> yeah, good. Stop it. Be quiet. And you're laughing, so people looking at you. So now we are standing by the lady who is handing out the coats. It's dark. And she puts the coat on my friend. He's standing back with his back up against the little counter, and she helps him with the coat, and she puts the hat on his head. Apparently, he is steered out into the into life every day from this place or places like it, so he knew what to do. See, she points him towards the door, and he's going out there ahead of me, and she hands me my coat. She could obviously see that I'm not one of the officials. She says, here's your coat, you know. Drops her French accent and everything. Here's your coat. And so I put my coat on, and... Um, getting ready to leave when she suddenly says, oh, ex excusez-moi, uh, uh, the, the package for uh, the, the man, uh, for uh, Mr., uh, what's his name there? He's, he's your package. And she takes this thing, and I've forgotten about it. She hands it across to me. And there's a whole crowd of people leaving at the same time, these elegant types from agencies and all, and I'm holding this package in my hand. And a guy bumps into me, they're putting on their coats, and suddenly it gives way. Zip, the paper is off, it unrolls, and Shepard is standing in an elegant French restaurant with a bath mat that is, uh, to put it mildly, in bad taste. And this thing, <laughs> I'm standing there with it, and I'm trying to roll it up. Have you ever tried to roll up a four-by-three-foot piece of sponge rubber? They don't stay rolled up, and I keep rolling it up and sticking, and they're, you know, they're sticking out, and they're pink, and they've got these, it's very, very graphic, these things are. There's no question about, and so, somebody started to giggle behind me, and I hear guys saying, hey, John, Fred, look at me. And this lady looks out from in the uh, check room, and she turns purple. And the, the head waiter looks at me, instantly, I know that I'm never going to get, I'm never going to be allowed in this place again. I mean, Never. You can just see his mind registering. This guy is done. And I walk out, and it's a vague rain coming down, and now I'm out on the sidewalk, and you get that strange feeling of unreality anyway when you leave a French restaurant. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and you've had a 12-hour lunch, and I can I can hear the martini bubbling down in my gut and the, top, the lobster thermidor and the liver pate. And my friend, who is a, you know, a real New Yorker type, he's out there hailing cabs. Oh, hi, you guy, oh. He's waving at cabs. Well, he just gets into a cab, just as I get out. He completely left me. He just about gets into a cab, and he looks out, and he sees this thing that I'm holding, which is now unrolled again, and I'm frantically trying to roll it up. And ladies are walking along the sidewalks, giving me these bad looks, and I can see a cop way down at the corner, down around Fifth Avenue, is beginning to move towards me, because here I am making an obscene display of myself, and, and I've got this thing, and, and I start going the other way, and I don't know what to do, and I, I, I have no money, none at all, and I have no money for a cab, and so I start moving down towards, I'm moving west on the street, this thing is under my arm, and I hear people talking all around me. I turn left at Fifth Avenue, and I head south again. I know what to do with this damn thing. I've got a tremendous Batman of you-know-whaties, you know? There it is. What do you do with it? And I see the cab rolling off down the street with my friend in it. He's bibulously regaling the cab driver now with some more promo material. And two and a half hours later, I arrive at my office drenched with rain, carrying a bath mat, and my friend never mentioned it. Never asked me for the bath mat. I didn't know what to say to him. I can't go up to his office, you know, in this elegant place with, lined with teak wood and say, oh, excuse me, sir, I have your bath mat here. <laughs> and I'll give it to your girl. She can take care of it. And I've never really made it with salesmen ever since that time well actually it preceded that but that's another story when I tried to sell seeds I realized that I wasn't cut out to be a salesman and those who are cut out to be a salesman I've never understood anyway and uh, every time I take a shower now I 
But that's something else. I... You're going to ask me what I did with the bath mat? Are any of you curious? It's still under my desk. It's been there for some time. And anybody that would care to have an unbelievable bath mat and can prove that you deserve it, sends your name and address to Letch, W-O-R. New York, New York. That's L-E-C-H, Letch, exclamation point. And uh, we'll judge your letters on unoriginality and on smudginess. And we'll, we can tell right away who deserves it more than anybody else. Stand up, friend. You're beginning to say. Come on, stand up. W-O-R, New York. Next, Lester Smith and the News. This is the news in detail on the hour from the WOR newsroom. Two airline hijackings tonight in the United States still in progress. One apparently with an anti-American political motive. The other is for big money. In Los Angeles, a Western Airlines plane set down under control of a man believed armed with a pistol. He at first wanted the medium-range 727 jetliner to go to North Vietnam, but he changed his destination to Cuba. The aircraft took off a short time ago for Cuba is now en route for a possible refueling stop in Dallas. The hijacker is said to have given a note to the pilot that said, the skies of America will not be safe again until the United States government ceases its aggression against the people of Indochina. Sixty-five passengers and the crew remain aboard. Only 11 persons were allowed to disembark in Los Angeles. As for the money air pirate, an unidentified man was last reported aboard an Eastern airliner as it landed tonight in New Orleans. That plane had taken off for a second time from Washington after Eastern satisfied the hijacker's demand for larger denomination bills totaling approximately $300,000. The pirate was described as well-dressed, well-spoken, and businesslike until he presented a 38 caliber revolver this morning as the plane was en route from Allentown, Pennsylvania to Washington. All the passengers were allowed to get off the Eastern Airlines plane after the first stop at Dulles Airport in Washington. The North Vietnamese attempt to capture Hue is now starting with assaults tonight on two South Vietnamese outposts near the old imperial capital. The government positions five and seven miles from the city are still held as military spokesmen reported 39 North Vietnamese and two Saigon troops killed in both battles. To the west of Hue, fighting in the Central Highlands increased as South Vietnamese government troops try to remove North Vietnamese forces from the Kantum area. Across the border in Cambodia, that country's capital was hit by an estimated 50 rockets tonight before guerrillas attacked a bridge only a mile from the United States Embassy. There were no American casualties as Cambodian soldiers rushed to drive back the guerrillas. By now, it's almost natural for the secret attendance of presidential advisor Dr. Henry Kissinger at negotiations with foreign diplomats. The White House acknowledged tonight that Dr. Kissinger had met secretly in Paris this past Tuesday with North Vietnam's chief negotiator, Lee Duc Tho. Two days later, the public Paris peace talks were suspended. But White House spokesman Ron Ziegler said that Kissinger's trip was not covered up at Washington's request. Rather, the North Vietnamese had urgently asked that the meeting and its agenda remain completely private. In Palermo, Sicily tonight, a police spokesman commented, We are afraid there are no survivors. He was talking about an Alitalia jetliner that crashed this evening on a mountainside as it approached the Palermo airport on a flight from Rome. The aircraft had 108 passengers, nine crew members. Weather in the area at the time of the crash was clear. Witnesses said the plane was in flames as it hit the mountainside. So far, no speculation on exactly what caused the Alitalia DC-8 to run into the mountain in Sicily. We'll have more news after this. This is Martha Dean. My guest Monday morning at 10.15 on WOR is Gregory Peck. That'll make a good morning. It's General Tire's original equipment tire sale on the glass-belted Jumbo 780. Own a compact, intermediate, or standard-sized car... 
you can get this long mileage glass belted tire for only $25.50 in your choice of size A7813, E or F7814, or F7815 tubeless black wall. Plus $178-258 federal excise tax, and a distinctive white wall tire is only $3 more. This tough new generation of Gen Mount your glass-belted jumbo 780 tires, but hurry. The sale ends Saturday, May 13th. That's at the home of the Big Red General Tire G, your one-stop car care headquarters. In Brooklyn C. Bruce at Gannon Tire Company, 2360 Flatbush Avenue, or Steve at 6502 Bay Parkway. WORAM Radio News Time in 15 seconds, five minutes after 11 o'clock. More news. A campaign speech today in Los Angeles from the conservative side of the Republican Party. Ohio's Representative John Ashbrook suggested that President Nixon cancel this month's summit talks in Moscow, citing the Soviet Union as North Vietnam's major arms supplier. Ashbrook said a Moscow meeting would further show the weakness of the United States in dealing with the communists if the president goes there hat in hand. Ashbrook then urged the resuming of bombing of Hanoi and Haiphong he said that if that bombing failed to control North Vietnam's invasion of the South, at that point, as he put it, the American people have to admit that Vietnamization has not worked and admit a loss. Ashbrook is challenging the president for the GOP nomination. He claims the support of well over 20% of California Republicans with that percentage to increase between now and the June 6th primary. Republican National Committee has formally voted to shift the site of this summer's national convention from San Diego, California to Miami Beach, Florida. The committee unanimously approved the move after receiving a report that mounting costs and threatened labor problems ruled out the California city as a convention site. However, the convention dates remain the same as originally scheduled, August 21st through August 23rd. The Democrats will also hold their convention in Miami Beach starting on July 10th. We'll have more news after this. The sun shines bright in my old Kentucky home. It's summer and everyone's gay. 